Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. It starts with little steps, little action, and that ends up snowballing into massive results. You've never built a snowman by just grabbing that snow and poof, all of a sudden it's a snowman. You got to roll the ball, you got to stack them up, you know, you got to do all those steps before that snowman actually looks good. Welcome to the Best Ever Show, the world's longest running daily commercial real estate podcast. Our hosts interview commercial real estate experts every day to get you the best advice ever with none of the fluffy stuff. Best ever listeners, welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever Show. I'm Slocum Reed and I'm here with Todd Dexheimer. Todd is joining us from St. Paul, Minnesota. He's the CEO and owner of Endurus Capital and VitaCare Living. They purchase and syndicate 100 plus unit value-add multifamily and senior housing, focusing on properties with economical deficiencies in grade B plus to A locations. They are GPs of 4,000 units, totaling 400 million AUM. And as an LP... Todd has placed around one and a half million. Todd, can you start us off with a little more about your background and what you're currently focused on? Yeah, I mean, you nailed it, man. I appreciate it, by the way, just being back on the best ever, excited to talk with the best ever audience. And we are very focused, like you said, on value add multifamily and senior housing. With the senior housing, it's more of assisted living, memory care, but very focused on purchasing and extremely well-located assets. Uh, so that's our focus right now is kind of we're, I don't know, we always say long in the tooth. I don't know, who knows, the cycle could last another 10 years or it could be over like tomorrow. So we don't know, but- Would you like uh, to make either, a prediction here? No, for our, no, for our no listeners? predictions from okay, me. Okay, good. I was about to say. Because <laughs> I'll be wrong. I guarantee it. Yeah, it doesn't the, matter. The only thing you do when you make a prediction is that you guarantee you're wrong, right? Guarantee you're wrong, 100%. But either way, we really think it's important to be in very well-located assets at this time in the cycle. And honestly, we just like them a lot better. So that's our focus. Background, man, how far back do you want to go? I used to be a high school teacher. That's how I started my career and thought that was what I wanted to do the rest of my life, but it, but it certainly wasn't. So through just discovery, real estate came about and uh, just reading books, honestly. And then I started fixing and flipping houses 
through that being that was necessary. I wanted to buy rental properties. That's all I wanted to do is buy a bunch of rental properties. I listened to David Lindell at one point in time. He was at some conference I was at. I was like, this guy, that's what I want to do. I read a book by Ken McElroy. I'm like, yep, that's what I want to do. And then I'm going, I don't have any money. <laughs> Like, I can't do that. So I started. I know exactly those feelings. Yeah, Swap out yeah, high yeah. school teacher for youth minister. And you're telling both of our stories so far. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, what do you do? You start buying single family houses. We scraped up like every last dollar. Bless my wife's heart. She allowed me to use every last penny of ours and buy our first rental property. And just a single family home. We bought it for $65,000, put some money into it and rented it. When was this? 1500 bucks a month. That was back in 2008. So the market had just imploded. It's scary time. I mean, now looking back, you go, well, yeah, genius. Like, right. It was super smart. You bought in 2008, but it was just timing. It was just the time of my life where I was ready to take that step and take the action. And it happened to be a great time. Although most people were running the opposite way. I was told by a lot of people that I'm stupid. This is the dumbest thing you could ever do. And I'm just like, I don't know, $65,000 and I can rent it for $1,500 a month. That doesn't sound that stupid to me. So I'm just going to go ahead and give it a shot. So I did it. It kind of worked. Nice. And fast forward to now. Well, let's not fast forward to now. You buy your first single family rental in 08, scrounging together the down payment. What happened next? Yes, literally scrounging the down payment. We actually, at that same time, I partnered with somebody who brought the money in for another deal. We flipped. It was kind of a flop. We didn't make much money. We just spent a ton of time on it and made like $1,000. Bought a single family home that my wife and I lived in and flipping while we were living in it. But this rental was what kind of pushed me forward. So I bought this rental, 65 grand. We put some money into it and I went to this meetup. And these guys and gals were putting it on. And one of the guys up in the room was a mortgage broker. And he's talking about refinancing properties. And I thought there was no way this was possible because everything was imploded. People said you can't get a loan on properties and refinance. So I went and talked to this guy anyways. Long story short, we got this refinance. We pulled money out. And then I was able to continue to repeat that. And I ended up buying a bunch of rental properties, as many as we could. So we'd pull our money out, we'd buy another one. We'd pull our money out, we'd buy another one. So we did the Burr method now known as, and just continued to do that. Eventually ran out of ability to do it with small amount of income that we made. We just couldn't do it in our own personal name. So I started flipping houses and tried to like, how can I buy more rental properties? What can I do? Because I, I can't buy any more of my personal land. So I partnered with a couple of people. We did some deals. I'm like, there's got to be a better way. So I started calling these local banks. Actually, I started calling big banks. I started calling like US Bank and Wells Fargo. And they're like, no, you can't do that. The guy I sat down with at US Bank, he goes, look, stop talking to our bank and banks like us. He said, you need to call some small local banks. I came from these small local banks. You're hungry. They will do business with you. So I'm like, oh, really? I didn't know that. So I started calling these one, two branch banks. And lo and behold, after calling about 100 banks, literally 100, 150 banks, I got a handful of banks that wanted to do business with me at the rates and terms I wanted. So I started buying more rental properties. 
how big did your portfolio get before you scaled into commercial size multifamily? About a hundred units. I don't know the exact number, but right around a hundred units. Gotcha. And then when and why did you make the decision to scale from there? I was so sick of flipping houses. I flipped 150 houses from 2009 to 2014, maybe into 15. I think my last couple just kind of ended. So 14, 15 is when you're getting into commercial? So 14, 15, I'm like, I got to make this change. So I had a business partner. We kind of split, went our separate ways. Long story. (laughs) But anyways, my dream was to buy multifamily and I'm buying one to four family houses. This is not my dream. Why is that a dream? Why was it? I don't know. Well, first of all, it made a lot of sense to scale. I want to get a lot of units. I want to create cash flow. I want to create equity. Certainly you can do that in one to four family, but it's not that efficient. Honestly, it looks great on paper, but in reality, you get that roof that you have to replace that knocks your cash flow down for five years. You get an eviction and the tenant destroys the place. That knocks your cash flow out for seven years type of thing. So I was cash flowing, but it just didn't, to me, it just didn't actually feel great. It didn't feel like I was accomplishing what I wanted to accomplish. So I started buying bigger buildings and I thought I needed to kind of just slowly, gradually step up. My duplex, game. the fourplex, the 10 unit, the six. Yeah. So that's what I did. Yeah. I went and bought like a 10 unit and I was buying them in, in out of town. I was buying them in Cincinnati. I was buying 10 unit, 20 unit, 22 unit, that type of stuff. And was going to take that slow road up until actually I hired, and you guys have had him on the show. I hired Trevor McGregor as a mindset coach. Cause I knew I was in my way. I had these limited beliefs. I knew I was in my way. I wanted to go bigger, but I just was not doing it. And I'm like, I got to get out of my own way. So I'm going to hire this guy to kick my butt. And that's exactly what he did. And I was telling him what my plan was. And I said, eventually I want to buy a hundred units. He goes, why, why don't you do it right now? I'm like, well, what do you mean? When was this? This was in 2017. Okay. And he actually says he knows Joe. And he says, you know, Joe, went from buying a couple single family homes to a hundred and whatever it was, 62 unit or whatever it was. Also in Cincinnati. Oh yeah. Also in Cincinnati. And I'm like, yeah, I know Joe. And he's like, yeah, you have more experience than he did when he started. Why can't you do it? I'm like, oh, hey, you're right. Let's do it. (laughs) So what did that transition look like for you? Paradigm shift, right? What did the transition look like? Was your first deal all your own capital or you sold some of your smaller stuff to build the capital or did yeah. you redo your first deal raising capital from other people? What did that first one look like? So through the years, when I was doing these fix and flips, I would take a lot of private money. I didn't use hard money and a lot of bank money. I would just use private money. They would fund my flips. So as would, debt or as equity? As both. I did some equity okay. and I did some debt. Things change and evolve through the year. That leads to a natural segue to bring in limited partners on multifamily deals, doesn't it? It does. So I had the conversation with my investors and I sat down with a bunch of them. I said, here's what I'm doing. I'm making this transition. Would you be along for the ride? And all of them are like, yeah, this sounds great. We want to do it. So I went out and found my first bigger property. It ended up being an 84 unit. And then within a few months, 120 units. So I bought- That was in 2017. Yeah, 2017. 
bought 204 units within a couple months of each other and raised $3 million between the two buildings. We'll get back to the show with first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. When it comes to scaling your real estate business, is lack of capital holding you back? Raising private capital on demand can be a major challenge, but you can get the knowledge and tools you need to succeed when you attend Dana Cornell's four-week Raise Capital Masterclass Live. After starting out with no capital or relationships, Dana has raised over $1 billion twice in the past 20 years, and he has made it his mission to share the best of what he's learned with business owners and investors like you. You can learn more at danacornell.com forward slash best ever. Dana's Raise Capital Masterclass Live allows you to immediately unlock and raise capital on demand, drastically increasing your business's growth. If you're ready to take your business to the next level, go to danacornell.com forward slash best ever to enroll today. Are you a real estate investor looking to break into multifamily? Have you heard of MFIN Con happening in Charlotte, North Carolina, June 23rd through 25th? The Multifamily Investor Nation Convention is a place to learn from high-level apartment investing experts while networking with over 700 investors. If that's not enough for you, Shaq, yes, Shaquille O'Neal, Barbara Corcoran, Jocko Willink will be there as well. Be sure to secure your tickets at mfincon.com to find out more. VIP ticket holders can rub shoulders with these high-level speakers after their sessions. For details on sponsorship opportunities and tickets, visit mfincon.com. Use the promo code BESTEVER and get $200 off your tickets. That's mfincon.com, promo code BESTEVER. Todd, I'm going to make an assumption here. And my assumption is that the best ever listeners who are involved in apartment investing, the vast majority of them have heard of you for some reason or another through conferences, through your involvement in podcasts, the bigger pockets blogs, and they know of your success. And they know about some of the things that you're doing, at least with multifamily. You're talking about 80 something unit in 2017, and now you're at 400 million assets under management as a GP. So there's definitely a progression there. What I want to talk about right now, we're recording in mid-May 2022. And a lot of people I know inside of real estate and outside of real estate are hyper-focused on what's going to happen in the next few months. And they think that there is some sort of recession looming. Now, Todd, we've already said in this episode that making predictions only guarantees that you're wrong. I'm not asking about predictions or anything like that, but I want to know how it is that you are changing or updating your underwriting and how it is that you're changing your thoughts about the debt for your current acquisitions in 2022. Is your underwriting changing and is your perspective on debt or your objective for the debt for your deals in 2022 shifting based on all the things happening in the world and in the economy that all of our sophisticated best ever listeners are aware of? Great question. And obviously on everybody's mind, but one thing I'll start this with is we have short-term memories, but think back over the last five years, how many times this question has came up? Now, where we're at today, what has happened? This question comes up a lot. This isn't the first time I've been asked this question, and it's not going to be the last time. And this question has been asked to me in 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020, certainly 2020, 2021, now 2022. So let me just start with that. 
Okay. So as an investor, what do you do? Because this question always comes up. You just got to be aware of what's happening in the market. There's several big things happening. And by the way, most of them are completely out of our control. But how are we doing things differently? We're looking at our underwriting and we're looking at our debt. That's the biggest thing right now that's happening in today's market is that the debt market is unstable. So it's a little bit more difficult to get loans. The LTV is a little more challenging. You're not going to get as high of an LTV. So conservatively underwrite, assuming you're going to get less LTV, especially if you're doing bridge debt, you got to assume that. Again, with your interest rates, especially if you're doing bridge debt, you have to assume that those interest rates are going to continue to rise and your bridge debt short term, three Are years, you doing bridge debt right now, Tom? On year one year. We will, depending on the project, but again, we're going to really conservatively underwrite. We definitely like permanent debt. Permanent debt's a little more predictable. We can kind of figure out where it's at. But with permanent debt, we oftentimes can't lock that rate until our third parties are completed. So that might be a month or more after signing the purchase and sale agreement that we can't lock. So we have to assume those interest rates are going to go up. We just had that happen to us. You know, we had a deal and happily how we underwrote it, it worked, but interest rates from the day we signed the PSA to the day we locked in went up by over a half a point. So things change, right? We, or sorry, I should say, we went from, I think it was 3.8% to 4.5%. So big change, but again, our underwriting was conservative enough to where that was okay. Now, would I have been happier at 3.8? Absolutely but the deal still worked. And so I think that's the biggest thing is just be understanding what's happening with the market. That's happening. The other thing that's happening right now in today's market, it's harder to raise money. I've noticed a big difference between just even a month ago to today, people are kind of pulling back a little bit. And that's mid-April to mid-May. Yeah, Chances are this airs early to mid-June. And so it'll be interesting for our best ever listeners to think what's about the on? difference between what we're saying now and three weeks from now. It feels like we're in a moment where weeks and months matter. They do. Days are mattering right now. So maybe by the time this airs, slogan, the market kind of just evens out and people are going to go, all right, we're ready to reinvest. But maybe it's going down on a cliff like it's going right now. And people are like, whoa, we're out for now. So we'll see what happens. But I got asked this question earlier today. They said, well, stocks are going down. Crypto's getting crushed. But real estate's doing really well. And it's one of those stable, especially multifamily stable, but holds up well in a recession for the most part, of course. Wouldn't people want to be flocking to it? And I said, no, fear is fear. And people also, are always going to be fearful and they're going to walk away no matter what. Yeah. From one real estate guy to another, and with a real estate audience listening, I have to play devil's advocate. We haven't experienced these current political and economic trends 100%. for long enough to really understand the impact on property values right. because you're not day trading houses. The purchase cycle just takes a lot longer. Here are some numbers for you. The person who started a refinance or started a purchase process in November or December closed in February and made their first mortgage payment in April, meaning that they got their property under contract or they started their refi before Putin invaded the Ukraine. 
So just now, those people are starting to make mortgage payments on those 3.8% interest rates that you're talking about. We haven't been in this moment long enough to know what would happen to real estate, whether on the single family space or in the commercial space, because our transaction time is so much longer than crypto. Nobody's pulling up the Kraken app on their phone and taking down a hundred unit apartment building. Yeah. And that's a super important point to understand is that real estate moves so slow compared to all these other markets. So what real estate ends up doing, we won't know. We won't actually see the results for probably three to six months, maybe longer. And who knows what's coming in three to six months and how that's going to continue to affect. So yeah, you're 100% right. Real estate's a very slow moving. So you just have to be aware of what's going on in the market. I have no problem with people saying, well, I'm just going to pull back a little bit. That's okay if you want to do that. We are continuing to push forward, trying to continue to buy real estate, just trying to be extremely sound with how we're buying and be cautious. And look, if you stick to the same fundamentals, the fundamentals of real estate, I think you'll be fine. And if you have a sound business with sound operations, again, you're probably going to be fine. Now, people have gotten so used to making huge cash flows and raising rents by 15%. And those days might be over. And even if they aren't, inflation is making your expenses a lot more expensive too. The a lot of people of these... have been looking at the last seven years instead of the last 70 years for sure. Yeah, that's just it. Look at history and what happens. You can't expect what's happened in the last seven years to continue to happen just over and over and over again. It's just never going to be like that. So if you're underwriting like it's going to continue forever, you're going to be wrong. Like we said about predicting the market, we're always going to be wrong. So underwrite smart, underwrite what historically has happened, and you should be at least okay. For an audience like our best ever listeners, I have a relatively small portfolio and I'm an owner operator here in Cincinnati, but I am grateful heading into whatever we're heading into that I have great long-term fixed rate debt yeah. and I already have the door count that I need to sustain my lifestyle Yeah, for sure. And that right there is really valuable for people to understand. You want to try to put yourself in the position. And for people that are beginning, it might be a little harder, but you want to try to put yourself in a position where you don't have to be doing transactions in of order course. to sustain your lifestyle. So figure out how to have a different lifestyle if you're doing that right now. How do you get by with not needing? And we're in a great position. We don't need to ever buy another building again if we don't want to. We want to, but we don't of have course. to. Yep. Todd, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Let's do it. What is the best ever book you have recently read? I think Building a Story Brand by Donald Miller was an excellent one that I read pretty recently. What is your best ever way to give back? A couple things that I give a lot to, or we give, my wife and I give a lot to our church and try to be involved in that community as well. I'm on the church board and when the church has things going on, we try to be involved as much as we can. And Junior Achievement, too, we give to that. We really like that organization and what it's doing. So those two things and I guess many other minor things, too. In your commercial investing career thus far, Todd, what is the biggest mistake you've made? And what's the best ever lesson you've learned from it? Well, 
you phrased it commercial. I had something else in mind, but since you said commercial, I'm going to change it. Let's uh, focus to the big stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. So the biggest mistake I made was actually on the very first transaction I did. And it was just, honestly, it's kind of a long story. So I'll make it as quick as I can here, but it was not good due diligence. I would say I counted on the property management company that I was hiring which was actually the property management company at the time of that property, which was a mistake in itself. I counted on them to do too much of my due diligence without hiring professionals or doing it myself. I'm a licensed GC, so I know a lot of the construction aspect. But either way, I relied on somebody I probably shouldn't have, and we didn't dig deep enough, and mistakes were made on the property that I probably could have avoided specifically with the plumbing that was going on the building. And maybe that's another mistake. I bought a building with old galvanized plumbing and Hmm. didn't assume that it all needed to be replaced. I get that for sure. And what is your best ever advice? I would say, look, people are listening to this podcast, the best ever podcast. It's a fantastic podcast. I listen to it and a lot of people listen to it and it's great. And there's great advice, but Take the advice and take action. You're not willing to put in the reps. You're never going to have the success that you're hearing other people that are on this show having. And it's so easy to listen, to understand, but you have to take action. And it can be incremental. We always hear people say, take massive action, big results. 10 exit. Yeah, right. 10 exit. That's great. But you know what? It starts with little steps, little action. And that ends up snowballing into massive results. You've never built a snowman by just grabbing that snow and poof, all of a sudden it's a snowman. You got to roll the ball, you got to stack them up, you know, you got to do all those steps before that snowman actually looks good. And that's what you have to do with real estate and your business. Got to be taking incremental action every single day and make sure you're getting results. You can be the smartest person in the world and not have any success. Todd, uh, where can people get in touch with you? Endurus Capital. Dot com if they want to learn more about our company. They can email me, Todd at EndurusCapital.com. It's E-N-D-U-R-U-S Capital.com. Those are two great places. Of course, I'm on LinkedIn and Facebook, not really much other than that. So they can connect with me there as well. And I do have a podcast, Pillars of Wealth Creation. Of course, listen to the best ever first. Awesome. Those links for Todd are in the show notes as well. Todd, thank you. Best ever listeners. Thank you as well for tuning in. If you have gained value from this conversation with Todd, please do subscribe to our show. Leave us a five-star review and share this with a friend who you know we can add value to with this episode as well. Thank you and have a best ever day.